Welcome everyone to the RF Sports Radio Show. I'm your host, Rodney Fisher. I'll be joined by my co-host, Royce Fisher, here in just a second. I want to welcome everyone to the program. It is Monday morning and a lot to talk about. Of course, we're getting to NFL at the midseason point here in week nine. Also talk a little bit about Jerry Jones, the Dallas Cowboys, and get into that whole debacle and find out if we think that Sean Payton really should be the coach for the Cowboys next year. Also get into some NBA stuff as well, too. You're here from O.J. Mayo after his 30-point performance against the Charlotte Bobcats on Saturday night and also the upcoming Maverick game at night and Monday Night Football. So without further ado, we got a big show planned. Let's bring on the star of our show, the one and only, the one that knows everything, Mr. Roy Fisher. What's going on, Rodney? Not much, man. How are you? Uh, I'm a little concerned this morning. Uh, you know, I, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to make a plea to the Cowboy Nation out there. To, uh, tomorrow, you know, is election day. Right. And I'm asking them to go to the polls and vote for Proposition 21 that's on the ballot tomorrow. And in that proposition, if you vote yes or no, should Jason Garrett stay the head coach of the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys? And I'm asking them to vote no. You know, that's a great that's a great idea. Maybe maybe tomorrow the website we need to run a poll for real on who you elect. <laughs> yeah, let's do that tomorrow. Let's have election day and and and, and, and have a poll tomorrow. We'll we'll come over to results. Do you think that Jason Garrett should remain the Cowboys head coach or should he be fired? And we'll take a poll tomorrow and see who won. Yeah, that's not bad. That's a great idea. We'll do that tomorrow. So yeah. Perfect. Well, right now we can take your poll by taking your calls at 323-927-2906, 323-927-2906. Give us a call here. Join the broadcast at any particular time, and you can find out, you know, whatever you want to know about whatever we're talking about. Let's jump right into it. We'll start off with the NFL, of course. we got a lot to go over today. Start with the NFL and take a look at some of the scores from yesterday's games. Had a good game, good day of NFL action, I can say. It started out, of course, on uh, Sunday morning with the Broncos defeating the Bengals, 31 to 23. The Broncos now rose a five and three. Peyton Manning had a great game as well, 27 for 35, three touchdowns, 291 yards on the day, and they just basically outgunned the Bengals. Yeah, well, you know, I kind of told you at the beginning of the uh, year that the Broncos would be pretty good. All they ever needed was the quarterback. They got that in Peyton Manning. And I, I look for them to be in the playoffs. I do, too, as well. I, I thought Peyton would have a great year. We've been talking about him all season. But I think it's even more important that they got a win on the road. Um, I think that was even more important for them because they, they struggled at times on the road. Yeah, yes, they did. And Cincinnati did put up a pretty good fight. But 31-23, great victory for Denver. Uh, Peyton Manning looks sharp. Defense looks sharp. Big win. And the Ravens defeat the Browns 25-15. to The Ravens are 6-2, and although they're not going to have Ray Rice. They don't have Ladarius Webb as well. We know they're kind of trying to get through the season. They had a great start to the season. So they beat the Browns, but I guess you can hang your hat on that. But, again, they got a long road to go. Yeah, and injuries. Uh, that's the biggest problem they're going to have. And, and now they lost Ray Rice. That's a big loss for them. Uh, but – you know, if they can win, even if it's an ugly win and stay in contention, and maybe these guys come back healthy, which I doubt. But uh, 
It was a big win for Baltimore yesterday. Yeah, it was a big win. It makes their 11th straight win against any team in the NFC, uh, AFC North. They've dominated their division uh, for quite some time, as, as evidenced by their win there. Then you have the Green Bay Packers. Of course, they started out very, very slow this season, but they're back on track. They beat the Arizona Cardinals 31-17. to Uh this guy Cobb, I mean, Cobb has had two touchdowns, although Rodgers threw four uh, in, in the game as a whole, but this is his second touchdown. Well, two touchdowns yesterday will make six so far since being inserted into that starting lineup, and he's starting to come on board. The Packers look like another championship-caliber team, and they proved it against the Cardinals. Yeah, probably the most dangerous team in the NFL. I, that's one team I wouldn't want to play on any given night. Aaron Rodgers is back. This team, man, is working like a well-armed machine. Uh, Looks for Green Bay to continue winning and probably have the best record in the NFC before it's all said and done. That's quite possible. Now, the Bears and the Titans, another game I had my eye on before we went into it. The Bears go 7-1 after getting the win, 51-20 over the Tennessee Titans. And this Bears defense, they talk about it all day Sunday. If you watch any pregame show, they talked about how the Bears defense is set on the takeaway, set on the pick six, and they had a pick six yesterday, and also had a, uh, a return for a touchdown on special teams, so they, they look for score points even when the offense doesn't want to do it. I mean, they're going to they're looking to set a record this year for the amount of pick sixes that the defense has had, which is nine. They've already had seven, so they need two more for the rest of the season to beat that NFL record. From what you see in this defense, is this defense good enough, or even the team, based on what the offense can do, good enough to be there in the end competing for a Super Bowl? Well, right now, only are they clicking on offense, but the defense is, is dominating teams like you wouldn't believe. And I, you don't have to tell me about the Birds. They're on my fantasy team, and if you had fantasy pick and had the Birds as your team, you got 29 points yesterday. Wow, <laughs> great defense. I mean, you don't get 29 points on fantasy team from a, your defense, but that's what the Bears are, and that's what they're capable of doing. Listen, uh, if Jay Cutler could stay healthy, and that was the problem they had last year. I don't know what Lovey Smith has done with this group of guys up here, but these guys are playing the best defensive football I've seen, dominating defense I've seen since the, the Minnesota Vikings. 1972. <laughs> I'm serious. They're that good. But, I mean, the defense uh, is that good, but they they still have one major problem on the offense, and that has to be the offensive line. I mean, Jay Cutler, yeah. when he plays a good team, even though he's been doing a good job and not having too many turnovers, but the defense has done a good job of saving the offense when they can't get anything done because the offensive line breaks down so much. Well, it doesn't hurt when you score 51 points. You're doing something right. But you got one on special teams and one on defense as well. Right. So so even then, they added 30 points on offense. You can't ask for anything more than that. Great. But as long as they stay healthy, Jay Cutler could cut down on the turnover. That's one thing they've done this year. He hadn't turned the ball over as much as he did last year. Uh, I, I, I'm just kind of surprised the Chicago team is really this good. Yeah, they look really, really good. But on the other end, let's talk about the Tennessee Titans as – their owner comes out after the game yesterday, after losing so big yesterday, and this was his quote after the game. He says, in my 50 years of owning an NFL franchise, I'm at a loss to recall a regular season home game that was such a disappointment for myself, 
and fans of the Titans. He said, we were grossly outcoached and outplayed from start to finish today. Big words from the owner. Normally when he says something like that, someone's going to get fired. Well, I wish Jerry would take a page out of his book, and he's not the only right. one that's crying right now. But at least he was bold enough to come out and say something, you know, uh, which is good on him. Uh, this Tennessee team has been a disappointment all year. I look for coaching chain next year. Jeff Fisher was the best thing to happen to Tennessee, and they got rid of him. So, I know the coach has only been there one year. Mike Munsek has only been there one year, but – he was really, really mad about that loss yesterday for whatever reason. His team has had poor performances last year, uh, you know. So I don't know what the whole thing is about this year. What's happening? But they've had they've had some pretty poor right, performances last year. I'm sorry, this is Mike Munsek's second year, not first year. Yeah. But right. he went on. Uh, Bud Adams, the owner for the Titans, went on to say, at this time, all aspects of the organization will be closely evaluated, including front office, coaches, and players over the next seven games, if performance and and competitiveness does not improve, I will look at alternatives to get back to having the Titans become a playoff and championship football team. That basically gives everybody seven-game notice. Either you get something done in seven games or you're out of here. Well, he won't be the only coach crying that before the end of the season. And yeah, that's, to a take lot, a that's, a of, that's a lot of pressure to, to coach Well, you know, sometimes you have to do that as an owner. You know, I see the same thing in Washington, Dallas. Uh, I can name three other teams, uh, Buffalo, that's going through the same thing. And, sure, and you're sure. absolutely right. I don't, I don't blame him as an owner. They have poor performances, are, are not a requirement on Sundays. That's true. Well, the Bears get the win. They move on. The Titans now have to face the next seven games under the microscope of their their owner, Bud Adams. But the Dolphins and the Colts collide for a good game. Two-year quarterbacks, uh, Tannehill and Luck, both rookies. And Andrew Luck goes off, 433 yards, two touchdowns in that game. They win 23-20. to And his coach, Chuck Pagano, was there to watch the game. Uh, got a chance to watch Andrew Luck make such a huge performance to get past the Dolphins. And a great speech after the game. I, I caught it on Sports Center. Uh, those guys are motivated to play, even if it's just for him. And you know, this game could have went either way. I, I, I thought it was a great duel of the young quarterbacks. The, these are the future guys that's going to be around. You know, next couple of years. I thought Andrew Luck played lights out, man. Great performance, record-setting uh, passing yards. And, you know, it could have went either way, but it was a great win for Andy. And uh, that puts them in contention. Yeah, they're 5-3. This is a third straight win. And, you know, the question is now, is this more to do with a just a short burst of energy based on what the coach is going through and him being their, their, kind of, uh, their rallying cry for the last three games? Or is this really how good the coach are? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, you know, like they, they took Andrew Luck first round. Of course, and I have people debating it. He, he was the best quarterback at the time in the draft. He meant Robert Griffin, so you couldn't went bad with either way, but they took Luck, which, uh, you know, he, he's just like Peyton Manning. And uh, the, the coach did say yesterday during his speech that he was going to be around to watch his, walk his two daughters down the aisle and see this team win the championship. And if they keep going the way they're going, they're, they're definitely on their way to doing a little bit of both. 
Absolutely. And you mentioned how Pagano was there after the game. He gave a great speech surrounded by the players and also the interim head coach, Bruce Arians, uh, in the locker room. He said, I mentioned before the game that you guys were living in a vision and you weren't living in circumstances. You know, we're, where they had us in the beginning, every last one of them, but you refused to live in circumstances and you decided consciously as a team and as a family to live in a vision, and that's why you bring things home like what you bring home today. That's why you're already champions and well on your way. A good message for him to give out to the team, I think. Great speech. Uh, great game. Listen, this was probably the best game on yesterday. It was a great game, absolutely. And then, of course, the uh, battle of RG3 versus Cam Newton. This is the first time in NFL history that two back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners have faced each other during their first opportunity, too, meaning that the second Heisman Trophy winner was in the league for the first year. But it's the first time they've ever faced each other in consecutive years. And Cam Newton gets the win, 21-13. to And, again, with the Redskins, we talked about them a couple of weeks ago. You watch an RG3 it being the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, and you know he could be even more accurate. I think during the broadcast it said that he could really complete 74% of his passes if he didn't have so many drop balls to his wide receivers. And yet they're 3-6, and six, the passes are 2-6, and six, but the Redskins should be a better team than that. Absolutely. They, they, you know, taking Robert Griffin was a big move, great quarterback, uh, like you said, without the drop balls, his stats will be even higher. But, you know, they didn't surround him with great guys. Uh, not a great receiving core. Uh, he's done everything he can. I mean, he can only do so much. He has that help from his teammates. He's not getting that from his receivers, nor on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Washington has one of the worst defenses in the league, and that was a problem. You took a great quarterback, but they didn't surround him with great players. And Cam Newton, it was a battle between those two. Cam Newton won the first round. Yeah, I say he won the first round, but I, I really think the RG3 has a great opportunity to win the war. But now the question comes up is who's going to coach RG3 the rest of his career? Mike Shanahan came out after the game and basically conceded the season, saying that now we have to start looking at new talent. What was he trying to say, Royce? Was he trying to say he's giving up on the season or was he trying to motivate some players? What a terrible thing to say as a coach is like you gave up on the guys and we're not going to worry about it. This is your guy. This right. is your guy. You wanted him in Washington. He'd be a great coach. You always said that this but, guy was a great coach. But uh, great coaches don't make speeches like that. I also said that the game has passed him by, too, if you remember that. I, and he is a great coach. He will go down as a great coach. But Shanahan still thinks the old-style football – if you think about it, he's one of the one remaining coaches, you know, from the that past bygones era, you know. Uh, I, I think he's see now. I, I think he's stubborn. <laughs> I, I'm How being honest. Be you saying he's see now? How can he coach I, I, I'm I'm saying saying now? To, to say something <laughs> like that to your players is almost like saying, well, we're not going to worry about this season, but I'm going to evaluate you guys for next year. He might not have a job next year if Snyder had anything to say about it. But you said he was a great coach. He's a great coach. I never said that. But the game has passed him by. You know, and there comes a time, just like a football player, when they, when no longer you're an asset to the game where the game has passed you by. And it's time to give it up. It's time for Shanahan to give it up. 
It really is. I, I mean, when they picked him in Washington, he had plenty of time to get that team together. I don't see them going forward. I see them going backwards, you know, even with Robert Griffin. But uh, they, they're going to ruin him if they don't get rid of Shanahan and get somebody that's in there that's going to bring this guy along and surround him with great players and be a coach that's not going to give up on his team. Okay, so if you, if you know that he's not going to be the coach next season, you know he's the not, not the right man for the job, do you fire him today? If Jerry can't, doesn't fire Jason Garrett, why should you fire Shanahan? Because this, guy just gave, this guy just gave up on the and, season at 3-6. and six. It's not over with and, for the and, team. And, and, they, and they can still win that division. It's, it's just that bad. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, why, so but why give up like that? I mean, if you know this guy's giving up midway in the season, he's talking about reviewing talent for next year. He's basically saying, I want to tank it the rest of the year so I can get another high draft pick. Do, but, do you, why keep this guy around? Well, number one, $35 million. Uh, you, you know, if you find him, you got to pay him. If you keep him, you got to pay him. And, and who are you going to go find right now and have through the halfway point of the season? But I tell you what, he would be in my office, and I'll be talking to him about that. That's for sure. I'll be trying to find out where's your mindset at. We're not thinking next year. We're thinking the rest of this season. You know, and, and if I don't get the right answer out of him, of course I'll find him. But, okay, so what, let me ask you a question, though. If you're Dan, Daniel Snyder, what else would he have to say if you're fine? <laughs> He'll have to convince me to keep him here. Otherwise, he's gone. That's all I'm saying. I, I think it's your firm on but, the spot. But, you know, right I, I, I mean, $35 million is a lot of money to pay somebody. You, you're going to pay him either way, whether you keep him or let him go. I, I, I don't know what his bank account looks like, but $35 million is a lot of money. And I know he's a billionaire. He, you know, he can sell off a six flags franchise or something to get it back. But, uh, I mean, that, what an awful thing to say as a head coach. And like I said, that's a senile-type statement to me. And it sounds like the game is passing by, and he gave up. Yeah, it sounds like mean, he gave yeah. up to me. So I, mean, I fire him right now today. Right now, today, you fire him, and, and you bring in somebody so, that's going to believe in his team. Because these are, these so are players he that he put together. <laughs> yeah, he goes in the ballot two tomorrow. That's okay, right. We, we got Proposition Twenty Two. Sitting here, we got a model of the ballot okay. tomorrow. So. Proposition Twenty One is for Jason Garrett. Proposition Twenty Two is for Shanahan. Yeah, here we go. We got to okay. do that. Oh yeah, two propositions right. on the ballot. <laughs> the Lions uh, beat the Jaguars thirty-one to fourteen. The Texans beat the Bills twenty-one to nine. Texans go 7-1 now. It sets up a huge game next Sunday night between the Texans and the Bears to see who, you know, these two teams could be the, the Super Bowl, a preview of the Super Bowl based on how both of these teams are playing and based on their records. Uh, then he has the Buccaneers in the shootout beating up on the Raiders 42-32. to Big day for the uh, Buccaneers offense and defense, for that matter. Also, Doug Martin, who had 251 yards in that game, four touchdowns in the Bucks win. Where they come from? Whose fancy team was he on? He had the Seahawks beating the Vikings. They're five and four. They're four and zero at home. They got a lot of the rest of the season at home. They got most of the most of the rest of the season. They're going to be playing at home the majority of the time, bro. So can this team sneak their way in the playoffs if they play so well at home? Absolutely. They had a twelfth man up there. I'm tell you that, that. You know, we always said this is hard to place to play in. And you know, I told you earlier in the season I like this Seattle team. And Russell Wilson is finally becoming into his own. I was worried about him beginning. He was a little shaky. 
He threw what three touchdowns yesterday? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he's finding his niche. He's finding his groove. Uh, I was surprised they picked him as a starting quarterback. Apparently, they saw what we're seeing right now in him. And this Seattle team, one another great defense. These guys get after you. And I tell you what, Pete Carroll has done a great job with a bunch of no-name players and made them competitive. And with their 12th man up there playing up there, like I said, remaining of their games up there, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they make the playoffs. You know, Seattle has always sneaked their way into the playoffs. If you look back at their record, uh, they spoil some playoff teams. But they've always been in the mix. That's right. That's right. You're absolutely right about that. They've always been in the mix. Let's jump real quick and uh, take a look at the Steelers over the Giants, 24-20. to The Steelers on a late game rider. They put up 14 points in their fourth quarter to beat the Giants. The Giants, of course, is an emotional game for all New Yorkers, they, you know, with everything that happened from Hurricane Sandy. A lot of the Giants players were displaced. You heard about Eli Manning having to basically move his whole family out of their place after they're flooded, and they've been living out of a hotel for the time being until they get everything together. But an impressive for the Steelers to come in there and get the win. Nonetheless, they're five and three so far in the season. Does this mean anything, Royce, or, or did the Giants just kind of have too much going on for them to really be in the game? I, I, I think they had too much going on, uh, having to deal with the, you know, Hurricane Sandy. Uh, you know, we don't know what they went through during that week. Of course, now you took your mind off of football because football was not important this week. We had to displace your family. Uh, friends that were, you know, affected by the hurricane. I, I, I thought this game was very close, could have went either way. The Giants had a chance to win it at the end. Of course, they came up short. I don't expect them to win every game. It's still a great football team. Pittsburgh was just a little bit better yesterday. And uh, like I said, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to look too much into this because there was too much going on that week. All right, of course, the Cowboys lose last night. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. They ended up losing to the Atlanta Falcons 19-13 to in the game. They probably should have won as well. Uh, but, again, just couldn't get it done, couldn't get the ball in the end zone. We'll spend some time talking about them next and also get into Jerry Jones and a little bit about the NBA, the start of the season, and the Mavericks as well, too. Listen, we're here from O.J. Mayo. You tuned in to RF Sports Radio, rfsportsradio.com. I got up this morning late again, rushing, trying to get to the station, didn't have time to fix coffee or breakfast or even grab a lunch, and I jumped in my car and realized, ah, I don't even have gas. I stopped by the Texaco in DeSoto on Hampton and Pleasant Run, walked in, and immediately thought, this can't be a gas station. And I was right. It was Maryland's Fine Foods. The, the friendly staff there was able to give me a fresh-made breakfast from scratch, also a gourmet box lunch, and not to mention a tank of gas, too. I got to work and had an awesome day and then thought my family would love to have a break from fast food. So I went online to Maryland's Fine Foods and placed an order for my entire family. And you know what? When I got to DeSoto, it was hot and ready for me to pick up on my way in. Trust me, guys, you got to try Maryland's Fine Foods, located in DeSoto at Hampton Road and Pleasant Run. Give them a call at 972-274-1070. That's 972-274-1070. Or try them online at marylandsfinefoods.com.
Welcome back, everyone, to our program. We just got to run down the NFL games of Sunday. We're going to get into a little bit about the Cowboys as well, too, and also set up for Monday Night Football and NBA action with the Dallas Mavericks for just a second as well. We invite you guys to join us online at rfsportsradio.com or follow us on Twitter at rfsportsradio. Also, you're more than welcome to come into the live show by calling 323-927-2906. That's 323-927-2906. Let me bring Royce back on here without further ado. Let's get to the Cowboys real quick, Royce. There's so many things going on with them, it's kind of hard to know where to start at. But let's start with the top down with Jerry Jones. I was sitting there getting ready to watch the game with you last night. Jerry Jones comes on with Bob Costas, who was a great interview. We know Bob Costas is one of the best in the business. So I'm looking forward to see what kind of questions Bob would ask Jerry Jones. And I think the one that everyone's talking about here locally in Dallas has to be the one about, you know, Jerry as an owner, would, would he have fired GM Jerry? And basically Jerry said in a nutshell, yeah, I would have. You know, number one, because I've, I've had the discretion with coaches, players. I'd have the same discretion with GM. And he knows he's admitting finally for the first time he's admitting he's made some serious mistakes that should have cost him his GM job over the last several years. Well, the biggest mistake he made was hiring Jason Garrett, which is one he can correct immediately. Uh, him being the owner and general manager, of course, now that's not going to change, but he, he, and unless he give it to his son, Stephen, but he can do something about Jason Garrett. <laughs> that's for sure. He can do something about Tony Romo, and those two things he could fix right away, which should have been fixed last year. I was calling. I got, I got, I got one even better than that, though, Russ. I mean, he, he, if he wants to make the first move in the right direction, why not fire himself today? Absolutely. If, if, but, he said he, if, if he said he deserved to be fired a long time ago as GM, how come he want to do that today? Well, because Jerry don't want to give up that power. You know, every time we pass by that stadium, that's one reason why he's not going to give it up, because he's built the 11th wonder of the world <laughs> in Arlington Stadium, and he's not ready to give that up. That That's his baby, and he will live by that. You know, as long as he's on the Cowboys, I'm not seeing him giving up any power away. But you yeah, can't like, do that's something kind of like about his, uh, It's kind of like his pyramid, I guess. Right, right. Like, like, like all King, King Tuts, you know, <laughs> they all they leave a legacy and have a, right. you know, this big thing to show how great they were. And, and that's Jerry's greatness in the stadium. But, uh, you know, even said that he would have fired himself. And if he, if he does remove himself from being general manager, you're still stuck with the same head coach and the same quarterback. Now, you can do something about that. And I've seen him fire guys before in the middle of the season. Why he won't do it now, I don't know what Jason Garrett or Tony Romo, what kind of hold they have over him. But he's been with them too long. He must admit he made a mistake. And Jerry said something a long time ago that always resonated with me. But then anybody can coach his team. Jerry needs to realize that that's not true. I don't know. I think he believes that. I think he believes as long as he's on the team, anybody can coach as long as he's pushing the buttons. Jerry, you need to realize that is that is not true statement. You, you need to recant that, and you, you need to admit that you're wrong. And that's the number one thing you could do for me as a Cowboy fan and as a Dallas resident 
that's always rooting for the Cowboys. If I can see it, other people can see it. You hear it on the airways, it's on TV. I mean, what's the what's holding them up from firing him? I don't know. You I mean, know, what this, is this is this, this is my speculation. This is this is my plea to Jerry for for him to fire himself at GM. Okay, Jerry, things are different now than they were back in the nineties, man. You, you're too busy. I mean, I mean, think about it. Jerry has actually started a whole nother business when he built that stadium. Absolutely. I mean, because the games that go inside Cowboys State, for those that don't know, the premier games are not the Cowboy games. Right. Jerry's hosting championships, Cotton Bowl, concerts. He's hosting everything from YouTube to international soccer to Manny Pacquiao to the NBA All-Star game was at Cowboy right. Stadium. Right. He's got a whole other business that's, that's going to be growing even bigger than the Cowboys are. So he doesn't have the time to – be the GM in the trenches anymore. He didn't have time to watch the Cowboys with a close eye. He's got time to be the owner, but he doesn't have time to be the GM. And I, for some reason, he's thinking Jason Garrett, let's go to him real fast, he's thinking that he, being brought up through the organization as a player, assistant, coordinator, coach, he has an idea of what Jerry's vision wants to be. And, and I guess that's why he feels so confident in, in Garrett. He gave Garrett a vote of confidence last night as well, too. Absolutely. And I, that was not really shocked me. You know, people are tired of hearing these excuses, you know, both from the head coach and the GM about how we have to do things better. Well, we see this week after week. Uh, do you think that Jerry believed that statement he said when he said that anybody can coach my team? I think, think, I think he I, believes that. I think he believes that, yes, I do. As long as he puts the town together, right. the players that, that, together, he feels like anybody can coach. Right, absolutely. And that's not true. <laughs> I mean, we've seen this. You, you, you pick the best coach out there, and there's so many coaches out there available. And and for him to beat Justin Garrett, and he has had a chance. We know that. He started out as offense coordinator. And uh, this team is not going forward. It's going backwards. It's time for a change. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of games that they lost was because of poor coaching. Don't you yeah. agree? Oh, absolutely. Uh, time management. Uh, he, he's the play caller. And yesterday I saw Tony Romo come off the field and question a call that they made on third down. Instead of running, uh, passing the ball, they chose to run the ball. He was so frustrated when that call. We've seen him even go to the line of scrimmage and change plays. Right. You know, and and, and that tells you something. But I saw the frustration on Tony Romo's face yesterday about the play calling. And and Dez Bryant was just, he he wasn't even relevant yesterday after that big game he had and the winning touchdown that, you know, he got out of bounds. But, you know, you got a great, that's your great receiver right there. That's the guy y'all chose to be the dominant player of the Cowboys. You're not getting it. Uh, they're going back to the old style of play. Jason Witten is the leading receiver. Your tight end is the leading receiver on your team. You know, and that's your focus. And, 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 and they're going back to the, the old way they played the game, and they're not progressing. I know they lost the running back. Felix Jones was okay yesterday. He wasn't great. He was okay. But Cowboys always been a run-first team. And I saw some statistics yesterday that says when Tony Romo throws 40 pass, passes or more, that they are 13-0. and 0. 
You know what, though? You know, and, and, and here's the thing. I think, I think you're touching on something with this Romo thing. You know, Romo has changed a lot of players to the line of scrimmage. And, and we know how bad Jason Garrett has been since he's been the head coach at critical game time decisions. Right. When it comes to those game time plays, clock management, stuff that you win football games with, he's been the absolute worst in the league when it comes to that. You look at last night's game, for instance. They get the ball back with 30 seconds left. And what do they do? Six-yard passes, six-yard six passes, nine-yard passes. I mean, you can't – You that's not even going for a win. Right. That, You're that, not that, trying that, to win that, the game. Listen, the two or three passes you threw for six and seven yards, you could have took three shots down the field. It, you know, you got you got Des Bryant, which probably can outmaneuver any cornerback that's playing the game right now because the guy is physical. But you take three shots at six and seven yard passes. It's, uh, it's absolutely amazing to me. To me. It's, a, it's amazing to me. I don't understand it. You know, but, but – before we move on to another topic, this is, and, and I mean, one, the crab was going to be a whole right show. Before we change, the mental toughness, they make so many mental mistakes that they actually give the game away. I mean, they have to be the most penalized team in the league. It, it's one just of, stupid yeah. mistakes from pass interference to offsides to, you know, uh, uh, hitting the quarterback. I have these down. Just stupid mistakes. And that goes back to coaching. It has to go back to coaching. You saw the – Dependently on uh, Orlando Scandrick, a guy right. that Jerry gave a huge contract to on the pass interference call. It was, un- it was uncalled for, wasn't needed, and you basically gave the game away with that call. Right, right. absolutely. Gave him a first down. Let's go ahead and talk real quick about a decision Jerry could also make that could really change the whole outlook of Cowboy fans or him as a GM. He can make a substantial, a substantial risk-reward move today this very moment, and that's the fact that the NFL has basically voided Sean Payton's deal. His deal uh, that he signed for a multi-year extension with the New Orleans Saints basically had a clause in it that said that he could basically leave at any time. He could leave the Saints at any time if they let go of the GM, Mickey Loomis. And the NFL thought that that was not a good concession. They voided the whole contract. We can get into why they voided it maybe on next on uh, Wednesday's show. Right now, let's focus on Sean Payton. Now that he's available, he's currently a free agent right now. He lives in the Dallas area. He has a home in Westlake. He's familiar with the organization. He can command the respect of Jerry Jones. Should Jerry and the right now and the players could, could should Jerry right now make a play to get Sean Payton as the head coach? Listen, I would be sitting on this ranch right now, waiting on him to return. If I was Jerry Jones. You know, Sean Payton's career was built here in Dallas. He started mm-hmm. out working for Bill Parcells. He was a no-name. And he's the guy that really wanted Bill to draft Tony Romo in the first right. place and the first guy to work with Romo. Right. And we saw what Romo did when he came out. But, he, you know, as dynamic as he was with a different coach, he, he this system that Jason Garrett has him playing on that doesn't work for Tony Romo. You know, yesterday when they had – they they scored in two minutes yesterday. One of the best drives I've ever seen, a 65-yard pass. Uh, who was that? Ogletree? Yeah. Uh, yep. Yesterday. And in two minutes, they went, what, 85 yards, scored a touchdown. That's because mm-hmm. he's a gunslinger. And, and when you take that away from him, and, and I know that's good and bad, you know, because like, he throws some interceptions, but he plays best at that thing. When he was with the Cowboys, when he made his first, 
year or two with the Cowboys that made a name Tony Romo to be, you know, contender in this league. He was a gunslinger. Right. You know, and, 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 and I, I think the play calling is just awful. I, I really do. And so, uh, I, I would hire him in a minute. Uh, Tony Dungy is out, is out there, too. But you can always get somebody better than what you have. And they, right now they don't have the right guy for the right job. But do you think that Sean Payton, you know, would would he be viewed in a bad light? I mean, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people are saying that Sean Payton wouldn't do it because he loves the city of New Orleans. Well, the city of New Orleans has Sean Payton to thank for what they're going through right now. Absolutely. I, I don't think they're going to necessarily be upset with him leaving. I mean, look at the, look at the way their team is right now. All this based on Sean Payton not having control of his football team. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think a Saints fan would be upset, but I don't think anybody else would do it at the league. That that was a mess over the summer. You know, uh, they even had trouble signing Drew Brees. You know, that was the last second thing. That's and uh, he had his run. He did his job in. New Orleans, he took him to a championship. You know, people wearing paper bags over their heads would see the same yep. play. Yep. He made a he made a championship team out of that. He left them a, a, in good shape. You know, and uh, this guy's had a year. Interim coach has had a year already under the thing. Let him take over because this team is really on a de- decline. That's right. If you That's think right. about it. So if you're gonna bail, bail now. You know, you did your job. He, he, you know, he took him to the championship. I, if I was Jerry, I'd do everything under my power to get this guy back to Dallas. Let's and talk I don't about think it'd be hard. I don't think it'd be hard either. I think it'd be hard. I think it's a story that'd be developing. We'll talk more about it on Wednesday show. Make sure you tune in Wednesday at 9 a.m. for our uh, another show, the RF Sports Radio Show. Let's go ahead and jump in real quick, Royce, before we run out of time to the NBA to start the season. We started our season in L.A., Make sure you go to our website, rfsportsradio.com, to watch uh, episode one of season two of our, our uh, TV show, where we basically are in L.A. We've got a chance to see Staples Center and see L.A. and see the, the Lakers for the first time and the New Look Mavericks for the first time, who are now 2-1. and one. Before we talk about them, Royce, you, you found a couple of things that you've seen so far in the NBA that you wanted to talk about as far as what's been going on in the league so far. Just a quick update from week one. You know, I know we're only three games so far into the season. Whoever thought the Lakers would be in the shape they were. Of course, now they did win last night. They beat Detroit. They did last night. There we go. Finally, after, you know, they haven't won a game since May. But here we are, and, and let's look at the East. You have New York, Milwaukee, and Orlando leading their division. You know, and that's a surprise to see Orlando and Milwaukee. But I tell you, you keep your eye on this Milwaukee team. And in the West, we have Portland, Golden State, and, of course, San Antonio, which is the only team that's 3-0. and But does that surprise you? It does surprise me. Absolutely surprises me. But, again, I just want you to realize you're only three games in. Yeah, I, I understand. Okay. But the, but, but okay. the Thunder is 1-2. Uh, the Lakers are 1-2. The Lakers are 1-2. And Milwaukee's 2-0. and Orlando's 2-0. and uh, New York hadn't lost the game, but Golden State and the Clippers really are tied. But, you know, I, of course we knew San Antonio is always a great regular season team. But mm-hmm. I know it's early, but is that a sign that these guys are going to be in contention at the end of the year, Golden State, Portland, uh, Milwaukee? I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't but go we that don't far know. 
We don't and, know, but I wouldn't go that far. And the Hawks beat Oklahoma City. The Oklahoma City team without James Harden. Without we James Harden. Do you really talk about that move? Do you ever really talk about that move? Let's talk about it. Do I think it was a mistake? Absolutely. I, I think it was a huge mistake James Harden go. Number one, because the Thunder could afford to keep James Harden. They got enough money in those owners' pockets to do it. They have a philosophy of not being market salary. Absolutely. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. What I was guys they should have kept all the way. We all know that they want to be a small market team. That's understandable, but they should have kept him because he he he's like an engine on the car that makes everything run. Absolutely, and and this team it took you down to the Western Conference to the NBA Finals with this right. team. Why would you even break that up? You I know, don't know any part of it. You know, because you were two games from winning a championship. You know, and I don't understand that. But what that tells me is that. Harden should have been starting instead of Russell Westbrook. Wow. <laughs> I, based I mean, on what look what he's so done since he left. In Houston, based on what you've seen in Houston so far, the guy's averaging 41 points a game. He is leading the league in points. James Harden is leading the league right now. He's better than Carmelo Anthony. He's better than Kobe Bryant. He's better than anybody right now. That's a so, good point, Royce. He should have been the starting guard in Oklahoma City. Westbrook should have been the one coming off the bench. And we saw what Westbrook, he's always turned the ball over. He's erratic. He, he hadn't changed. But, George, like you said, James Harden is the engine that makes the, the car go. He yeah, is. I agree. And, and I agree. great. And listen, Houston has been in the mix all summer. I don't know who the general manager is down there. I thought he's done a great job of putting together a group of guys. And if you notice, any time they talk about trades or anything this summer, Houston was always in the mix. Yeah, Houston was definitely always fixing. They're going to look really good right now, too. Absolutely. They're going to look really good right now. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the Dallas Mavericks, the team that we cover uh, a great deal of the time. They won this past Saturday night over the Charlotte Bobcats. They basically have a 16-0 and record against the Bobcats uh, overall, I mean, historically. But we did talk to O.J. Mayo after the game. We got some comments from him. He went off that night, had 30 points. He's averaging 18 points a game in his starting role as a new Mavericks guard. Let's talk about him after we listen to him and his comments after that 126-99 to victory over the Bobcats. You were just in a zone tonight, were you? Yeah, I mean, uh, man, D.C., I uh, give him a lot of credit, man. He was getting in that lane and uh, he knocked out some open shots, so, uh, you know, uh, knocked him down tonight. When you're shooting like that, got it going like that, does the basket look like an ocean for you? Uh, yeah, just a little bit, but we got a lot of shots to, like, before and after practices uh, coming at night, so... Eventually, you know, probably get on the road. But uh, like I said, man, Darren and the big setting good screens, him getting in there creating. Uh, at least you can do is knock down a shot for him. <laughs> How much are you playing off of Darren right now? Not a lot. You know, I think we all are. You know, he's done a great job in getting in the lane. Um, you know, but, you know, we got some bigs playing good. Uh, Chris, uh, Elton, B. Rice, so, uh, Tricks. You know, we're just playing off each other, man. we got pretty much offense that 
and we just flow and play off one another. Talk about the process. It's a little bit of OJ Mayo after his 30 point performance uh, in a Saturday's game against the Bobcats. Roy, real quickly, tell me a little bit of what you've seen for his Mavericks team here in the first three games. This is the best move by the Mavs organization all summer. And I tell you what, if I was Mark Cuban, I would sign OJ Mayo to a long term contract. Because this guy could be the future of your team. Great performance, thirty points. You know how great would it have been for this guy to learn up under Jason Terry or Jason Kidd? You know, uh, uh, that would have been great for Dallas Mavericks. But I, the best acquisition they could have. You know, I, I, I kind of like this team a little bit. Uh, can they win a NBA championship? No, but you are finding guys for the future. It was time to make a move, uh, you know, even though you blew up the championship team, you had to put some out the floor. They actually came out pretty good picking up Collison and O.J. Mayo uh, during the offseason, two saves this season. But, I, listen, I would sign this guy. He has a one-year deal. I would go in and change the word in that contract, and I'd lock him down. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like what he's done. I, I like him. I like uh, what Collison's done. Yeah, I think this team is going to surprise a lot of teams. You know, we talked to a lot of players, yeah. Brandon Wright, uh, some other players that were there last season, Vince Carter. They really feel like this team has a great chance to right. to, to really do something something good, I think. You know, and, and Roddy B., you know, we've been watching him for three years. He, he, if he can stay healthy, and, you know, coach don't have any choice now but to call on him. I thought he's played great. Uh, right. Brandon Wright. Has contributed, you know, and it's so balanced right now. You, you know, mm-hmm. without Dirk, I know they're doing it without Dirk. But what I notice is a lot of balance. You know, you, you got six guys the other day scored in double figures. You know, right. that, that's a balanced offense. And when Dirk comes back and they spread the floor, and we we talk about Caden, I mean uh, Crowder, uh, this guy is a beast. You know, his nickname's a beast. Can you imagine the spacing they're going to have when Dirk comes back and Crowder's on the floor and you got O.J. Mayo and Collison penetrating the lane? I mean, this is a good team, man. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And they got a they got a good game tonight. They're playing Portland tonight. Portland's 2-1 and one as well. Tonight. It's going to be a good test, you're right, for this team. We'll be there tonight for that game. And also we'll be back on the air Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. for another edition of RF Sports Radio we got a big week this week of programming. As uh, far as the radio is concerned, stay tuned for more sports talk from a fan's perspective. we got some guests coming up this week. We're going to have uh, Dwayne Price from the Fort Worth Star Telegram on this week. And also uh, we're going to have Coach Madness of the number two ranked team in the nation. The Soto Eagles will be on the air with us this week as well, too. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you follow us online at rfsportsradio.com. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash rfsportsradio. And make sure you tune in to us all week for more programming. You're listening to Sports Talks from a fan's perspective with you guys Wednesday morning at 9 a.m.